0: What You Need to Know is brought to you by Morongo Casino Resort and Spa. Good times. just the 90 minutes from wherever you are. Linz, what do you
1: got? Well, guys, College Game Day is undergoing a huge change, and you know what that is? They're coming out with a new theme song. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like that's really exciting. So they, the uh, coming to Your City song, they're going to retire that, and they're going I'm to- Come
0: in! To city. I do
1: love that song. I think it's great, but you know, I feel like every what decade or so, I feel like they kind of like want to freshen things up. Yeah, a little they bit. do.
0: They they do. I mean, college game day's been on for a really long time.
1: Yeah, so they're going to be debuting the new song for week one. Now, remember, this weekend is week, week zero. zero. Yes. So you have to tune in next week if you want to hear the new song. And I feel like we're definitely going to be judging this really hard because nobody else likes the new uh, Amazon NFL song, but. Well, it like, kind
2: of grew on it. you guys. Yeah, yeah I, think I it grew, loved it. grew on me. I don't have any it. With I, it's it. just okay. I, love yeah, it. I mean, it, 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 put it this way: like this song right here. If you, you knew
0: it right away, George, I didn't. Well, I don't know. I don't think you like. You were like a college game day viewer every week. No, weekend. no. I, I like college game day a lot, I, and I love that they. Yeah, go but to I'm all saying like you wake up and watch it every Saturday.
2: Um... Probably not. I guess I'm not going to say I watch it every Saturday, but I I wouldn't have been able to come up with a song like, bum, 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 like legendary songs associated with a sports broadcast, you know?
1: And also, this song was actually a song before they gave it to college game days. Yeah, yeah,
0: it got licensed to... Who sings this song? Big and Rich. Yeah. Oh.
1: They okay. sing that say, "Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy." Yeah, kind of like the same song. There's always a lot of
0: country <laughs> music associated with the college football game day stuff.
1: It works. Yeah, but I, I, I'm, I'm excited because like ESPN is just kind of like trickled out, like, "Hey, there's a new song," but they have no details on like if it was a situation like this where it was. Licensed, or if they wrote it, or whatever the situation. I feel
0: like is. Cappy would love to be would love College Game Day even more if he was like asked to be the guest picker at a game or something. Not like a guest weekend.
1: picker, but I
2: mean, I I do like the show. People a lot. love that. Like, yeah,
0: they, that's like a big deal to be a guest picker on yeah. that show.
2: No, I know it is. Um, because you got to pick
0: this. every single game.
2: Yeah. I, listen, I'll tell you this.
3: Got to dress up like the mascot too.
2: Oh really? No, you don't. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> I'll tell you this though. Um, you know, for all the talk about you know the last couple of months and people's you know names that that. Audiences knew they're like, oh, this guy was let go by ESPN. That guy was let go. When it comes to college football, you know they just re-signed Chris Fowler. I'm a huge Chris Fowler fan. George, are you a,
0: a Fowler fan? Of course. Scholastic Galact- Sports America is where I first saw him many decades ago.
2: Same with me. In, yeah. in the mid '80s, actually, it was probably a little bit on the late side of the '80s. When when Chris Fowler would host a TV show on ESPN every Saturday morning called Scholastic Sports America, brother, if you were on that show. You were destined to be a star. Yeah. And George, I remember being a senior in high school and they did this story about this basketball player mm-hmm. from Virginia. Mm-hmm. And this guy, this guy was going to be a star. I got to watch his senior year. I got to watch his entire collegiate career. And then I got to watch his entire pro career all because he was featured as a high school kid on an ESPN show. That young man, you, you got to guess? No. Alonzo morning. Oh, big zo. So. And when I went to college as a freshman. Hall of Famer. Right. When I went to college as a freshman, there were two guys in my freshman class that had been featured on that show. And while we were part of the same recruiting class and we were all 18 year old kids, yeah. I looked at these two guys like they were already NFL superstars. Sure. Cause they had been on Scholastic Sports America. Yeah, I believe it. I loved that show so much that like 20 years later, and this is probably like, I don't know, six, seven years ago, I had a, a, a high school football TV show. Um, Called uh, uh, Southern California Prep Insider. It was on back in the old like Fox Sports Regional days in L.A. Wait, now is this also at the same time you were doing Stable Wars? Um, yeah, I wasn't the I wasn't on that show. I was just the executive producer of it. You know oh. what I mean? I just well, came I up just with saying, the concept. Was yeah, a very busy guy. Though. No, well, I, you know me, dude. Yeah. By the way, the Stable Wars thing, it, this is all Mason's fault. Just so you know, what happened? Well, Mason goes on the air the other day. You weren't here, and tells the story about how he finds stable wars season two on this platform called tubi yeah and he's telling everybody that him and Juan watched the show the entire series they freaking loved it yeah they come on the air telling everybody about it and now people are hitting me up going dude just watch stable wars on tubi loved it
1: cap you told everybody about it too and you like told people to watch it yourself no i told people not to watch it because i'm embarrassed by it I don't know. I feel like you want Mm. us to watch it. No, I'm telling you, it's terrible.
2: (laughs) It's horrible. I'm embarrassed by it. (laughs) And I'm on strike. I'm with the writers in our union because, you know, how dare they? They play that show without paying me. Yeah. Even though I
0: already sold it. Yeah. Well, there's your problem. Yeah. All right. That is what you need to know. Brought to you by Morongo Casino Resort and Spa. Good times. It's the 90 minutes from wherever you are. Don't watch it. Uh, Cappy, real quick. So let's finish the Otani conversation. So, yes. So Passon says, as we heard in the cut, that he's still going to probably make $500 million. Now, he's not going to make the 650 that he he had heard. Um, and, you know, Jeff is obviously very plugged into this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he still thinks $500 million, not only because he's the best hitter in baseball, according to him, right? And and you can make the case he is. Um, it's just he's this international attraction. He's the biggest star in the sport. And that is also true as well.
2: Yeah, but I also think one thing that Passon said that I really, really agree with is this. I don't think Shohei Otani is the kind of guy. And by the way, it's not because I'm buddies with the guy. I don't know him. We don't go out to dinner together, George. I know a lot of people think we're close, but we're not. You and Otani. Right. Oh. Here's
1: the Cause thing. Cause you're an MLB insider now.
2: Well, remember, well, not just an insider, just somebody who's been close to the game. Yeah. You know, okay. which is how I picked up on all that Japanese. Yeah. Okay. The thing is, is this. I believe based on watching Otani that he is the kind of guy that Will do everything humanly possible to get back to being a pitcher. Do you think he will, or do you think he would be the kind of guy? That no, goes- yes,
0: I think he's still going to pitch, which is what Passon said. He still thinks right. he's going to pitch at some point.
2: Right. So here's the thing: if you sign Otani, you're signing him for his bat, and you're signing him for the potential that he's going to come back and pitch.
0: Right. And you know that may be as a starter, it may be as a reliever or closer, whatever. But it also, yeah.
2: it may be two years from now. Right. And that's the other thing is that if you sign Otani, here's a question. Here's a question I would have if I were thinking about signing Otani. Yeah. Hey, guys, um, is he getting this Tommy John? Yes. Okay, so is he not playing in year one? Because remember when well, Kevin Durant... He, he's getting he a second yet. opinion, right. Yeah. He's
0: trying to get a second opinion on it.
2: But remember when Kevin Durant went to Brooklyn? Yeah, and right, he got signed to a
0: full contract and
2: sat out a whole year. So here would be my question. Why would we not expect the same pro yeah,
0: I, Right, I agree. Now, again, he's just not going to get the money that we thought he was going to get because he was an elite pitcher and an elite hitter. But he'll get close to it still, like enough of it. He'll probably get like sixty-five, seventy, seventy-five percent of it.
2: Well, listen, um, I just I wonder if the Angels like are in their front office somewhere going. Can we figure out a reason why this actually does
0: give us the so, advantage? A- another, another thing Passan said. Now he didn't go as far as Buster only, which, who said that he believes the Angels are the front runner, but he added that he believes more teams are going to be involved because the number has come down significantly, right? $150 million over the life of a contract is not a small amount of money. So he believes instead of like five or six suitors, that's 650, that he may have maybe close to double that at uh, at 500 million see this is where if you have that
2: many people or that many teams that want to get involved in the quote unquote Otani sweepstakes and you think well you know what he just lost 150 million dollars well you know how it goes people and teams start bidding against each other and the price starts going up hey we're gonna give him 550 these guys are going to give him 560 these guys are going to give him 580 all of a sudden somebody's going to give him 600 million. I mean, I'm not saying that it's it's likely. I'm just saying that it's possible that he still gets every penny. I know that seems far fetched today, but I mean, don't you think that the Kevin Durant thing is a good comp or the Dak Prescott thing is a good comp? We're talking about that in the
1: first hour. Yeah, I and think those some are them guys will pay for it. Somebody will.
2: Yeah, I mean, maybe like a Steve Cohen, George. to Everything you're talking about oh, about no. <laughs> what comes with signing Otani and what it means for your organization internationally.
0: I mean, maybe somebody like a, a Steve Cohen would be. Oh, the, up, up. I mean, look, I, I think the the usual suitors, those suitors will have already been there regardless of what the price was. So the, what are we the got? Mets, Yankees, the Mets, Mets, the Yankees, the Dodgers, Dodgers, Giants, right? The Giants. Um, you, you hear the Mariners because of the connections, correct? You know? um, yeah, and and you know uh, the Braves, right? Have a lot of money. Like those teams that have a lot of money will all be in there. Um, but he. Passen thinks there'll be a handful more potentially, potentially, uh, because the prices come down now because of this. So
2: I still think Otani should sign with the Saudi Arabian League. There is no
0: Saudi Arabian baseball league. Kevin.
2: I understand, yeah. but um, the Saudis are just giving away money to everybody in sports. Yeah. So you might as well go get your six hundred. Well, only one person is
0: actually taking it. So who's that? Ronaldo, the soccer guy, Cristiano yeah. Ronaldo. Yeah, but what and about he's already the, really old. But what about all the live golf guys? Well, those guys, yeah. But, I mean, like, in regards to, like, recently. Just saying, Otani
2: should go sign with Saudi Arabia, get his billion dollars, and then Saudi Arabia can lease him back to a baseball club in America for, like, half a billion. And for them, they lose half a billion... But their guy's the starting pitcher for the Dodgers, or the Yankees, yeah. and it's worth it for them yeah. as they build a new I mean, baseball league. Probably not, is
0: my guess. But neither. they just buy Major League Baseball. So, speaking of which, you know, it's funny. Giannis actually had, remember he made the joke about sign me up or whatever? Or, you know, are they really giving away that money whenever when that story came out about mm-hmm. uh, Mbappe? And Giannis, we talked about this briefly yesterday in Big Deal or No Deal. It might have been the greatest Big Deal or No Deal Lindsay's ever done because it was a big deal. And it was happening at the time. Right. And Giannis was apparently in this New York Times story said that he doesn't want to be somewhere for 20 years if he doesn't have a chance to win a championship anymore, and he basically needs the bucks to reprove to him that they are capable of winning a championship, uh, which I thought was bold and I guess good for him, right? Um, not great for the bucks, but if you're a team like the Los Angeles Lakers who have LeBron under contract for the next two seasons in theory, and Giannis's deal, he can be a free agent after two seasons. I'm just saying the stars could potentially align for a hashtag future Laker Giannis.
2: Okay, they also could align for a hashtag Bronny and LeBron play together.
0: You're saying in L.A.?
2: I'm not saying in
0: L.A. necessarily. Oh. but But let's talk two years out. Right, you're saying LeBron could leave because Bronny's somewhere, and and he wants to play with Bronny.
2: Because, hey, he's at the end of the line. He's at the end of his contract. The Lakers are like, LeBron, we think you can still play, but we don't want to pay you, and we want to go out and try and spend this money on Giannis. And LeBron's like, cool, I'm out of here because I'm going back to Cleveland because me and Bronny are going to play together.
0: Yeah, I I don't know if that's going to work out the way you exactly phrased it. Um, I don't see the Lakers walking away from LeBron in that scenario. Um, Two years from now. I, I just don't see them walking out of business with LeBron if he's still playing at a pretty high level. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I don't. Um, I, but I think he is closer to retirement than he's ever been, just based on the conversations he's had recently. So, I think that that will work. That could potentially work itself out anyway. I
2: just think LeBron needs two years. You got to get Bronny healthy. You got to get Bronny back on the floor. Got to try Which and pursue. What
0: Sharani is saying that the uh, James family put out a statement that uh, that they have, I guess, figured out what. He had like some congenial uh, heart condition, is which mm-hmm. is what caused the issue uh, with Bronny, and that the uh, doctors believe it's very treatable and that he can get back on the court at some Good. point. Blah blah Good. blah, etc. etc. Which is great news. Yes, I'm glad to hear
2: that because the other yeah. day we had this uh, article, and uh, the guy in the article, I don't remember exactly, uh, was. Lindsay, you may remember. Yeah, uh, and by the way, the
0: the James family statement talked about how they talked to all these doctors at Cedar Sinai here, and that they they believe all that that they can get Bronny not only back healthy, uh, you know, in a in in a good in good standing just for his own personal health, but then potentially uh, they believe that he can then return to the court.
2: Cedar Sinai. Yeah. How are you? But yeah, so there was an article <laughs> earlier in the week that we had t- talked about where um, this the author was like, yeah, um, Bronny's you know basketball career is in jeopardy.
0: And I was like, well, I had not heard that. Yeah, I not well, heard apparent, that at all. apparently not the case. But Giannis could be available, which is interesting. All right, you know what else is interesting? Caleb Williams and the USC Trojans. Our friend Paolo Ugetti, this kid's like in his 20s, and he's like the ESPN college football feature writer. L.A. kid, USC kid, writing about Caleb Williams and the upcoming USC season. We'll talk to him in two minutes.
2: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple.
0: All right, USC, San Jose State this weekend at the Coliseum. Sounds like the kind of game I should go to. Yeah, let's get to that later again after you gypped poor Steve Mason. But I owe him $122. Yeah, yeah, well, that's your fault. But I mentioned earlier our friend Paolo Getty, ESPN College football feature writer, also writes features for golf as well, but for these purposes kid's a stud. If you're not reading his work, go to ESPN.com. Go to the app. You can find it there. You can follow him on Twitter as well. L.A. Kid, USC Kid, and writing about Caleb Williams and the USC Trojans' upcoming season. Paolo, thanks for the time. So let's start What's up, guys? Yo, yo, yo. We're good. We're good. Uh, It's good to have you back. So let's start here. The last time we saw the Trojans, they were up 15 points with about five (laughs) minutes or so to go in the Cotton Bowl against Tulane and lost. So I have a two-pronged question for you. A, what did they learn from that situation coming into this season? And B, how did they remedy that from a roster perspective?
3: Yeah, I think if you talk to any of the guys on that team that came back for the season, especially the guys on defense, they're very well aware. You know, I, I don't think any of them would tell you they were reading what we were all saying, but I think they're very keenly aware of how they were perceived after that game, blowing that game. It kind of really put on the kind of worst case but also best case scenario to end their season because I think it, it didn't give them any false sense of confidence that they were good, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. I right. think it exposed the fact that their defense was really a point of contention, a point of weakness to a certain extent of, that they needed to work on this offseason. And if you talk to any of those guys, and I've talked to a few of them, they, they'll tell you. We we were we felt really bad after that game, right? And mm-hmm. we kind of didn't want to forget about it completely. You know, I think some coaches sometimes they kind of treat it as, hey, we're going to bury that game and move on, right? But I think they didn't really do that. I think they kind of hung on to it. They went back and, you know, watched film and, and really let it sink in and let it sort of motivate them and fuel them toward the season. So I think from an emotional standpoint, um, they were definitely really fueled by how last season ended, which I think... If you look ahead to this season, probably a best case scenario for how for how things have have come around. And, and to your second question, the way they've really gone about sort of filling out that defensive roster is they've focused on bringing in transfers, guys who are really talented, like you know a Bear Alexander from Georgia or Keon Barrs from Arizona, to really round out a defense and give it really depth that it didn't really have before. I think that's one thing that Lincoln Riley has talked about a lot during camp is we have a certain level of depth that we didn't have before that's made it a more competitive camp and it's bringing out the best in everybody and you kind of see it all across the defense specifically linebackers uh secondary linemen they're all playing at a much higher level because of the added talent
2: yeah and paulo i thought it was a really interesting uh quote in the piece today which was lincoln riley saying we've got more good players and fewer bad players which i thought was uh really funny and really honest but I I got to go back to the question that George asked about you know defensive help. So I think the one thing I really love about Lincoln Riley is he didn't let people pressure him into firing his defensive coordinator Alex Grinch. Just take us back. Grinch has been working with him for several years. I mean he, he came with him from Oklahoma. So when Riley says I know this guy, I know what he's all about. They just didn't have they didn't have the talent last year. He didn't get pressured. What do you what do you say about that part of the story?
3: Yeah, I think if you look at it from a really holistic perspective, like if you're coming into a brand new environment, brand new roster, brand new s- structure, you're not going to react like strongly like that, right? And fire your defensive coordinator who you brought over in your first season, like that's not something that is, I, I, you know, maybe not the best kind of managing, right? I mean, I, I understand why some people were maybe calling for that, right? And and, and the way season the season ended, it kind of definitely sort of exposed, like I said, some weaknesses, but he stuck by him the whole time. I don't think there was any really hesitancy there to um, to um keep Grinch. Um, and if you talk to Grinch, too, I think he's very, he has a very funny approach, I would say, whenever you talk to him, because he's very elaborate, very, you know, direct and very level-headed. And so, you know, I think somebody straight up asked him, like, there's a perception that your job is on the line this season. And he's like, well, that's no different than where all the other places I've been, you know. He didn't flinch, he didn't really, like, you know, kind of brush it off. I mean, he did say, tough to remember that we also won 11 games, right? So I think people focus on the negatives. But I think that's the reality of the job, right? And I think Lincoln sticking by him, bringing him back, it gives a certain level of continuity that I think this defense needed from a leadership standpoint. And we'll see the season with the added talent. now there's no no real quote-unquote excuses.
0: Paolo Getty joining us here. Phenomenal ESPN college football feature writer. Check out his recent story on USC football and their upcoming season, which kicks off this weekend against San Jose state. So the PAC 12 has four teams, I believe in the top 15, or do I have that maybe five teams? Do I have that wrong? Um, do so you I
2: got USC? You 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 right, USC, Washington, USC, Utah, Oregon. Oregon. Utah. Oh, yeah, Oregon those State. four. Yeah, oh, no, but I think Oregon State's or, in there too. But they're in the top twenty-five, they're but right, not in the top fifteen. Right. right, so
0: they got five teams in the top twenty-five, four of them in the top fifteen. USC being the ranked the highest. So. um this is a really tough season, I think, for them, and it being their last season. Now, Cap and I disagree on this stuff. I don't feel like the Pac-12 did them any favors at the end of the season. Um, really, outside of Cal, the second half of the season is pretty tough, uh, I would say, in, in kind of the the way it was scheduled. What is it, college football playoff or bust? I guess at this point, especially considering how good the rest of the conference is here in their last season there.
3: I think in some ways it is, and not necessarily because on some level you're like, wow, year two, and we're already kind of penciling, and penciling them in there. I think part of it, too, is when you look ahead to the future, Kayla Williams is leaving, they're going to the Big Ten, tougher competition, tougher top of that conference. They're not going to have such an easy access to, to the Cross football playoff. You know, obviously the playoff is growing in terms of how many teams they're getting in, so that kind of changes things a little bit. But this, is, this feels like their shot, you know, it's their last – Actual season, like you said, the schedule is tough, but they had an easy schedule last year, so I think it balances off. And I think this is kind of the year for them to do it. I mean, Caleb Williams is not going to come back, obviously. I think, as much as he's kind of not committing to that right now, I think it's pretty obvious that he's going to be the number one pick or something like that next year. So this feels kind of like the year for them. You know, they have the talent, they have the continuity, they have Caleb Williams. They have, you know, they've been able to replace the skill. So I think this does feel like the year for them. I don't know if I'd say pack 12 I mean. Cost of about playoff berth or bust, but it's it's pretty close to that. Well, dude,
2: I'd say that in a heartbeat, man. I mean, seriously, after <laughs> what happened last year, having the returning you know quarterback who's a Heisman Trophy winner, all this defensive talent that they've added, and of course, you know, just the expectations. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what we think. But I I will say this: I thought it was also great when Lincoln Riley walked into that locker room after that two lane game. He could have very easily walked in and gone, "Guys, great year. I know everybody wasn't as motivated for this game." don't worry about it, we're going to come back better. But instead, and you can expand on this, he walked in and said, remember how this feels. I thought that was a great piece of coaching, because it wasn't a meaningful game, you know, but but instead of just kind of blowing it off, hey, we came down here, we had a good time, unfortunately we lost the game, remember how this feels. Tell us more about that.
3: Yeah, I think his approach has been, from the beginning, you know, we're here to win championships, right, and obviously that's a lot of coach speak and everybody says that, but I think you're definitely trying to do that. And I think that's something I try to get across the piece a little bit too, is like, it's kind of this tough balance of trying to build for the future, trying to build a long-term sustainable winning program, while also trying to win a championship in the season that, you know, really kind of, like I said, built up to that, right. Because they have Caleb Williams for one more year, but that's, has been, that's been his approach his whole time. You know, I think he's the standards really high and, that's why he doesn't really like shy away from saying we have more good players this year and we have, you know, less, less bad, bad players, players, right? I think he's, great line. he's very clear about what he wants out of a football team, out of a, you know, program. And I think that kind of ties into sort of what he demanded in some ways, right. Uh, coming here, right. I think he knew that he needed to have the resources to be able to do that. And so, you know, a two lane bowl game win was not going to swing the, you know, was not going to move the needle for him. And I think it just more, ended up being that he used it as motivation for this year, which, like I said, if you talk to any of those guys, they'll they'll mention that for sure.
0: Paulo the ESPN College Football feature writer, reporter, does a phenomenal job. Check out this story on USC on ESPN.com and the app. A um, couple quick ones for me on the way out. I, Cap may have one more, too. Um, toughest game on the
3: schedule is what? Notre Dame, I think. In part because I think that game, it's not a conference game. So it could really derail their season while not derailing their playoff chances, which is I think the kind of tricky part about their schedule. Right is like, if they lose one conference game, they could still win the conference title. But if they lose one conference game and lose Notre Dame, I don't know how they get into the playoff with right. two losses. So I think that's going to be a really tricky game on the road in South Bend. Um, it's not a conference game, like I said. And maybe if I had to pick a conference game, I would pick. Washington, Oregon, Oregon on the road. But that Notre Dame, I think, is going to be a linchpin to how their season goes.
2: Yep. I would agree with that. And then the question, I guess you really last one since we're talking schedule, Utah. George mentioned it. They're a top 15 type school, too. They're,
0: they're tougher than them. At least were last year. That's for sure.
2: And they beat them twice last year. That's the point. Utah beat them twice last year. So I'm looking at that game and I'm going, that, that's one I'm circling going, we got to win that game.
3: Yep. I think that's, like, such an interesting part about the way the Pac-12 is set up this year. On a glass, if you're a USC fan, if you look at it, a glass half full, you're like, no other team in the conference got significantly better the way that maybe USC did or, or kind of stayed the same. So, we, sh- you know, USC should be, you know, at the right back at the top of the league. But on the other hand, glass of empty, you look at it and you're like, Utah has been the last two times. And, you know, they have, they have USC's number, right? So I think that's another challenge to it. And Utah is a team that, I don't care what kind of talent they have or don't have. I think they're always going to play well. Yeah, uh, They do come to the college game instead of USC going to Salt Lake this year, which I think might make a difference, but would not be surprised if the two teams are fighting for the Pac-12 title in Vegas again this year. Yeah, Whittingham is a great coach for Utah. So last one, got about a minute here.
0: Um, what do we know about Jennifer Cohen? Uh, obviously Washington, previous job, but what do we know about her and the reaction to her being named the USC
3: Everybody everybody raves about her. I think that's the one thing that everybody talks about her energy, and you could tell from the press conference she has this kind of infectious energy, this really competitive um, vibe to her. I think she joked that, you know, there you'll see her on the sidelines. Like, that was kind of the joke around Washington, is you would always see her on the sidelines cheering and kind of living and dying with everybody. So I think that's something that will resonate really well with a lot of the USC Athletics uh, people. I think she knows what it takes to kind of re rehaul program when it needs to be done. And not that USC needs a complete rehaul, but they do need a certain level of direction as they go into the big 10. So uh, nothing but good words from, about her from really anybody you talk to. So USC does need to get this hire right though. So, I think they really took their time and really focused on getting the right person. And it seems like after a exhaustive search they they came up with the right one. And we'll see, we'll see how that works. But yeah, uh, you know, huge, Huge uh, praise for her from really anybody you talk to in, in the college football world.
0: Paolo Ugetti does a phenomenal job covering college football for us here at ESPN. Read his story about USC at ESPN.com and the ESPN app. Brother, thanks for the time. Hope you've had a great summer. Get started this weekend. So I'll see you somewhere soon, I'm sure.
3: Yep. Thanks, guys,
0: for having me. I right, met. Take right, care. Nice. There he is. Nice uh, job. Cappy. We can react to that at 5.45 after Radio Tinder, and I do want real Dodger talk at 5.45 as well, because Mookie Betts is going back to Boston. Radio Tinder is next, but first, Cappy, tell the folks what they need to hear. Yeah, hey,
2: listen, guys, the 10th annual SoCal Hyundai ESPN LA Golf Classic, presented by Coors Light and Hollywood Park Casino, two weeks away from today. It's Friday, September 8th. It's at Black Gold Golf Club in Yorba Linda. And even if you're not going to be playing golf with us that day, make plans to be there for the 19th hole party. It all starts at 4 o'clock when we hit the airwaves. Thanks to Sunday Swagger. By the way, the new hot pink looking sweet, guys. Thank you to San Pedro Fish Market, Craveable, and, of course, Tequila Mandala. And speaking of Tequila Mandala, Radio Tinder is next. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.
0: See app for details.
1: Thanks, Christopher. James Bond theme. Oh, wow.
0: Little 007.
1: Yes, yeah, Sean Connery's birthday.
0: Yeah, I saw that.
1: Man, shout I out! Feel, I can't believe, like, how many people I feel like we lost in, like, 2020 and 2021. Yeah, yeah. A lot of them. Yeah. yeah.
2: Why, did we lose Sean Connery?
0: Yeah, he's
1: died. He, he died in... Know. Three sure. years ago. Didn't yeah. know. Also, Regis Philbin. A couple. It's his birthday Regis, today, too. Yeah, I mean, he Reg. also
0: passed away in that stretch yeah. of time,
1: too. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: yeah, Reg. And, and, and Reg would have enjoyed that conversation about USC versus Notre Dame and what a big game that is. Yeah.
1: He would have. I'm going crazy. <laughs> is that how he talks?
2: Yeah, he's used to talking. Like
0: yeah, he talks like this. I'm
1: going crazy. <laughs> 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 All right. So Kevin Hart has learned a tough lesson after trying to do, quote, young stuff that landed him in a wheelchair temporarily. Okay. Hart shared his painful experience in a video on his Instagram post in which he called himself, quote, the dumbest man alive, exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. Mm-hmm. Here is a snippet of what he said.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, the age 40 is real. To all my men, women out there that are 40 years old and above, uh, it's not a game. Respect that age. Respect that age. Or that age will will make you it. Mm-hmm. Try to go out there and do some young... Uh, some young man stuff, and I was told to sit my a-
1: down. Me and Steven, we got into a little debate. This debate was based off of who was faster. Those that know me know I'm pretty fast. Steven said, Kev, ain't no way you're going to beat me.
2: Steven is an ex-NFL uh, running back, played for the New England Patriots. I said, Steve, you can bet it. He said, bet.
0: I said, bet. We get out there, we go run the 40-year-old dash. Guys, I blew all my sh- shit. I tore my lower abdomen. I, <laughs> my abductors. I, tore, I don't even know what that is, but I tore them. I tore
2: those two. I can't <laughs> walk. <laughs> I saw this earlier today. Yeah, I saw the other video, the one where he's like in the back of a limousine. He's got the uh, the wheelchair next to him, and he never really explained what happened to him. I was like, "What happened to my
0: man?" He tried to run a forty, and he he blew his body apart basically against the- Stephen Ridley, who was a running back in the NFL.
1: Right. I don't know what he was thinking. Like, I I know that he said he thinks he's pretty fast, but like, come on. Again, he was an NFL running back, and also some of this, the other stuff he used to describe what was going on was hilarious. Yeah, it's and the abductors, so by the funny.
0: way, are the the. I know this because of just covering basketball for the year, over the years, but the, it's the, basically the muscle or the tendon or whatever on like the outside of your hip that helps your, your legs rotate and your hip rotate. So if you're running really fast, you're, those things are definitely going. Um, so he blew out the abductors, not the adductors. He didn't. He blew out the outside versus the inside. Is that yes. what
1: you're telling me? Yeah. He, yeah. he right. said he, he blew out a lot of things. And yeah. there was a video that I just saw maybe 5-10 minutes ago from T, I think TMZ has the video of the actual race. Oh, and I'd what love happened. to see it. Does
2: he go down hard or what?
1: I haven't watched it yet because we oh, we're in I the middle of that. the show. But I was like, oh my gosh, because <laughs> I was thinking to myself, how did he do this? So, like, how did this happen? So I will say
0: this: I, I as someone who turned forty a few years ago. I, listen, there is a, that is a real thing. I would actually say 35 is where you really start to feel it. Like you start, you start noticing real differences. Like you're like, cause to me, when I used to play hoops, like I used to play every Tuesday night full court hoops for two hours, okay? In my 20s into my 30s. And then I stopped probably 2013. So how old was I? Yeah, that was like 36. But that last year that I did it, I was like, I started to feel it more. Like, I was sore more. I was just, like, beat up more. And then, you know, I moved here, and, you know, I still played a little bit. I I would go to LA Fitness in Pasadena and shoot around a little bit and play a little. And then one time I I played... And, you know, I, playing with these, like, 25-year-old kids, right, you're getting your ass kicked, and you're like, this is just not fun anymore. No, it's you not know? fun, especially and, when you're like,
2: my hips, my ankles, right? I'm going to get hurt. I'm get right, hurt. and that's what was happening.
0: Bad. I was getting hurt, my ankles or whatever, and my wife is like, what are you doing to yourself, you know? <laughs> and I was like, you know what, you're right. And then I stopped. Right before 40, I, I just stopped, and I was like, that's it, I'm done. You see, I have the same
2: problem Kevin Hart has. I don't realize my age. So just as an example, Uh, you don't say no, no, but well, right, like the night of the of the softball game, I hit this weak little ground ball to second base. I for some reason, my mind said you can beat the throw, but my body said, no, you can't. (laughs) And for like the next two weeks, I had this knot in my hamstring and I was like, oh, no, I tore my hamstring. This is going to take months. Turns out I just kind of pulled it a little bit. It was no no big deal. You didn't stretch right. I didn't didn't stretch at all.
1: Right. Yeah. We were all all. after that. That's the problem. Yeah. Uh, so, Rivers. yeah, 40 is a
0: real thing. And it's it, it starts to creep on you at 35. That's where you start to feel a little difference. And then every year it gets worse. And then 40, it's it. It's like it is downhill. If you are not a professional, if you you are just like a, a weekend warrior, right? Um, and, you know, Cappy was a college athlete, but you probably weren't doing anything like that wild after no, but, your days of playing college. You know well, what I mean? I mean, here's the thing. I...
2: Got into endurance sports in right. my late 30s and early 40s. Right. And had a really nice run till I was about 46, Right, but you were training still every day. But I was day. properly training right. for it, yeah. right? I will tell you this, George. The weekend warriors are the ones that feel it. Dude, I went to F45 this morning. This is kind of like my new thing. It's my fourth time I've done it. Yeah. And the housewives that were in there today mm-hmm. kicked my ass. Yeah, I believe and I walked in there sore AF from the Wednesday morning. Right. F forty five. So so even doing that, forget mm-hmm. about playing basketball. Mm-hmm. Just going F forty five is kicking my ass.
0: Yeah, I, I, it's so funny. Like I remember, like I would go at the end, like when I wasn't. Oh, pl- and I would go to LA Fitness in Pasadena, and I wouldn't play anymore. Like I would still bring a ball in my car because it was so early in the morning. Sometimes there wouldn't be anybody there. And I would just shoot around, and then eventually guys would start getting there, like, "Hey man, you want to play?" I'm like, "Nah, I'm good." And I take the ball, and I'd be like, "Put it back in my car," and I'd wor- I'd start lifting or doing something that's else. Funny,
2: yeah, that's funny. Well, was there a, was there a right or a left on this?
1: Or did well, you, I was I just, just going to ask it. you guys so. if you ever like majorly injured yourself doing young stuff. <laughs> oh, but I, I mean, think yeah, you I just, just, I just us, yeah. yeah, right, swipe right, yeah, yeah. sure, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah we're all, all well, Kevin Hart today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, speaking of old age, Charles Barkley has been open about how he doesn't want to work until the day he dies, which is why a lot of people were. Kind of like, what's going on here? And it raised some eyebrows when he reportedly agreed to a 10 year deal worth the north of $100 million with TNT back in October. But now, Barkley, who is 60, has made his intentions clear about that contract. And here's what he said on the SI Media podcast
3: They wanted me to let people know I wasn't leaving like next week. There's no chance in hell I'm going to be working when I'm 70. Zero. Um, but they said, hey, let's just make people think you're going to hang around. Because, you know, I'll be honest with you, that's the only thing that really keeps me up at night, trying to figure out when's the best time to walk away. Because the one thing you don't want to do is stay too long. What's interesting is I can't believe I've been doing this 23 years. That's crazy.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: So will you guys still be working when you're 70?
0: Swipe left. Absolutely not.
1: How about 65?
0: Maybe. Maybe. I, I, I don't see myself going to 70. Like, I, I just, I don't. I mean, it would take extraordinary circumstances, to his point. Um, and I, look, I know Charles a little bit. I know he loves, he's got the grandchildren now, like uh, uh, little Henry, uh, the grandson. Like, he wants to be around them. Like, I get it.
2: I mean, listen, I, too, have a, a grandchild now. I mean, uh, mine's not called you little do? Henry. Yeah.
1: Oh, well, you mean little Cappy? Little Cappy, right. Little Cappy, cappy. Yeah,
2: right. Yeah. Like, little cappy. Yeah. right. Um you know, it's Who's a puppet, by the way. I mean, uh, I mean, listen, let's not let's not get into semantics. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? You yeah. say puppet. I say grandson. Mm-hmm. Look, will I be working at 70 today at 53? I say probably not. But in my mind, I can't figure out how am I ever going to really retire like today? Because I got three kids in college. And I got two that are graduating this year, hopefully.
0: Yeah, but you think in 17 years, you're still going
2: to need to support their ass? No, it's not that. It's, it's kind of just like today. (laughs) I can't really see it, but I, and I always tell you, George, I think about friends, you know, Jim Lampley was working well into his, his late sixties, early seventies. Dick Emberg, he, he was working till his early eighties. Yeah. Jim Nance is just starting to slow down a little bit, um, in his, you know, I'd call it early sixties. Um, I don't know if I'll be working as a broadcaster, but I'll probably doing be doing something to keep myself busy. Probably something like in business that's entrepreneurial and and just kind of keeps me in the game.
0: Maybe some consulting or something, but not. I wouldn't. I don't know. I I mean, I don't know. I guess we'll. I'll let you know how this play by play thing goes over the next couple of years. And yeah, then we'll we'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: I'll Plus, let you you, know. you make a lot more money now in general doing like as a broadcaster. You know, I feel like a lot of these older guys that you just named, Cap, like they weren't getting these huge... Oh, I don't know about down. that. I'm gonna, Lindsay, I'm well, going to tell you... Well, until recently, no. No, no.
2: Lindsay, I'm going to tell I you wrong? right now. I don't know about that. I'm going to tell you the exact opposite is true. <laughs> In other words... Okay. Look, here's what you're thinking. I, I think this is what you're thinking. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, uh, Nance,
0: and and Romo. Those and all guys these... all make a ton. Yes. They're making yeah. more money than anyone's right. ever made. Right. Yes. But comparatively speaking to what the marketplace was, you know, like... The guys like Dick Enberg were making astronom—Marv Albert, those oh, guys yeah. were making astronomical money compared to the rest of the industry. Right,
2: that's and, and crazy
1: because and it's so much when you see how much these guys are making. Even like Charles Barkley is like no, no, but,
2: those are the but think top, about, top, top network name
0: guys. Yeah, like Costas was making a ton of money. You know what I mean? Compared to everybody else, you know? Yeah, that it's all relative. You
2: know?
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: that's true. The top of the food chain is getting paid always.
1: The rest of the food chain, there's a big drop off. Taking
2: scraps, yeah,
0: yeah, Yeah, it is a big drop off. I feel like
1: that's usually how that goes, right?
0: Yeah, you pay your cleanup hitters. You know what I mean? Your aces on the mound. You know, not the utility guys like me. Yeah, you know your leadoff hitter more than likely, unless it's you know an outlier like a Mookie Betts, right? Like it's it's probably not the guy getting paid all that money. You know,
1: who is the Shohei Otani of broadcasting
0: right now? Yeah, like like a pure broadcaster. You're saying Mm -hmm. it's probably Buck. Well, I was, yeah, I
2: was trying to think of maybe it's more like somebody who does multiple things. I mean, Buck obviously does football and did baseball. Did baseball totally for a
0: long time, did the World I mean, Series. A guy, a
2: guy yeah. like Kevin Burkhart's got a lot going on right now. Yeah. Um, Nance has been forever. I mean, between the Masters and the NCAA tournament and the Super Bowl at CBS. I mean, I mean
0: Costas a- was probably that guy for a long time, too. Yep, I mean, he was, right. he did everything. Yeah. You know, I mean, exactly Costas right. is called an NBA Finals, a World Series. Mm-hmm. Um, hosted the Olympics. Ho- hosted the Olympics forever. Mm-hmm. Um, was. Part of many Super Bowl broadcasts, even though he didn't call the actual Super Bowl. I mean,
2: Breeders' Cup. Right. You know, Triple Crown. You name it. I mean, he was as
0: versatile as they come. Yeah. Uh, Arguably, I mean, growing up, like, he was the guy. You know what I mean? Like, for me, you know? Like, I was like, he's the most uh, impressive broadcaster there was in my era growing up. And, you know, I didn't grow up in the Howard Cosell era or whatever, you know? so
1: Very versatile like you as in the sense that, like, oh, you took notes from him and learned how to call a hot dog eating contest.
0: Correct. Right? And I mean, listen, ball. he also, <laughs> Costas, funny, you mentioned that. Costas also, uh, was in the movie Basketball, which Base-ky-ball. is, uh, uh, the, the guys, the South Park guys wrote.
1: Oh, yeah. So,
0: like, he, Costas has been in a few funny movies, too, like being Costas, and it's, it's been funny.
2: You grew up wanting to be Costas. I grew up watching the strongman competitions. Magnus von Magnus. Right. Was moving, like, tires and, and, and tow trucks. Yeah. And then that's why I'm a
0: hot dog eater rather than a hot dog caller. Pepe Mantilla, Texan. If you okay. love what you do, it's not work, my well, that's opinion. that's right. That's right. And that's know, why, Pepe.
2: listen, I, I, I always mention my friend Dick Emberg. I was lucky enough to know him in the last 10 years of his life really well. I mean, Dick, George, as you may recall, he was doing NCAA basketball at CBS. He was doing football at CBS. He was doing football at Westwood One. And then all of a sudden, he became like the Padres play-by-play guy and made every game where there were 10,000 people sound like the World Series. And then when he was done with that, At 81 years old, he had written a play about his friend Al McGuire. He was promoting that all over the country. He was doing all kinds of things. He wasn't working as a day-to-day broadcaster, but he was still working in the industry that he loved. So that's kind of why I think I'll never stop working. I don't Hmm. know, man. I mean, listen, if you can retire at 70, man, more power to you, buddy.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. All right, we're done. We're way over. Uh, all right, that is Radio Tuner brought to you each and every day by our friends at Tequila Mandala. Always swipe right on Tequila Mandala. Award-winning small batch premium sipping tequila made for the finest. Mature agave is available everywhere. Fine tequilas are sold. Visit their website, tequilamandala.com and demand the extraordinary with Tequila Mandala. Uh, alright, real quick. Real Dodger talk next, Cappy. As okay. Muki Betsu, I mentioned a second ago, going back to Boston for the mm-hmm. first time. Mm-hmm. And, Andrew Friedman deserves a little love for one particular move at the deadline that we need to discuss in a moment. But first, weekends here probably have big plans, but then, you know, you'll have a car hit you, unfortunately, right? Oh, right. You're angry, you're frustrated, you ache a little. What should you do? you got to call Jacob immediately. 844-24-JACOB. That's 844-24-JACOB. Put it in your phone. Nobody plans on being in an accident, but when it happens, there's only one name to remember. Jacob Jacob. Jacob. I said freaking Jacob, okay? Jacob and his team are available 24-7. Yep. If your accident happens on a Friday night, Sunday morning, or on a holiday, or even on a Tuesday, for that matter, call call Jacob at the scene of the accident at 844-24-JACOB. For more than 25 years, Jacob has handled all types of vehicle accidents. Car, truck, motorcycle, rideshare, scooter, you name it, Jacob's handled it. Handled them all. So before heading out this weekend, put Jacob's number in your phone. 844-24-JACOB. Hopefully, you won't need to call Jacob, but... It may become your most important contact number. Guys, have a lot of attorneys say they'll fight for you. You call Jacob. He's going to win for you. Call him at eight four four twenty four jacob That's eight four four twenty four jacob eight four four twenty four jacob Or visit him online at calljacob.com. The boys to the yard. Is Khalees, is there an anniversary with Khalees today? 20-year anniversary of the song. Wow. Khalees makes me feel so old. It really does. One more thing Ugh. about Khaleesi too. Uh, she broke up with Bill Murray today. I don't know if you knew they we were dating. Oh, that's no. right. We did know. We did know because we talked about it on the show, actually. Isn't
1: she, she like dumb.
2: 25 and he's like 75? No,
1: she's like in her 40s. She's like 40. Yeah. No. no. This song's 20 years old, right. Cap. Yeah. Well, she mean, did it when she, she, she was five years, was years old. Uh, yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> Khaleesi. Does anybody call her Khaleesi now? King Game no. of Thrones? No? No.
1: Maybe Bill Murray did. Maybe.
0: Maybe that's why it, it ended. She didn't
2: it's like it. It's referred
1: to as a whirlwind romance that they had. Really. Yeah.
0: Uh, so there's a alleged story about Bill Murray. I forgot who, to- who told this story where I heard this on some podcast or something a while back. But uh and maybe years ago now that I think about it. But apparently Bill Murray <laughs> would like be in public places and like, let's say you're walking like out of a restaurant or something. And he was like at the restaurant. <laughs> um He'd like from behind he'd like cover your eyes you know someone you know like will do that to you sometimes they'll cover your eyes and then so like they turn around and they'd look and it would see it was bill murray and they'd like you could tell their face would be like they'd freak out like oh my god it's bill murray and then he'd just say they'll never believe you and he walked away
2: <laughs> i don't like when people touch me in the face i don't like when people come up from behind me and, and cover my eyes like keep your freaking hands off my face you know what i'm saying even you bill murray
0: no way. If Bill Murray did that, you'd bring it in.
2: No, you know what I would do? Yeah. I'd turn around, he'd be standing there, and then I'd do immediately. Like, it would just immediately just happen. Oh, he's a Cinderella boy. Tears in his eyes, I guess. Like, I would, like, immediately go into one of those things. You know, manganese. You know, a lot of people don't know that. You know, chinch bugs in it. You know, that's. I would go immediately caddyshack on him immediately. No question. I'm about sure it. nobody
0: does that. to Well, that's just it. That's my point. Like that's a <laughs> dumb thing to do. It's like the dumbest thing to do <laughs> of all time. I always. It's so funny you do that. You said that you would do that because I, whenever I've had like actors on, I always laugh and like I ask the question like. All right, what's the the line you get the most that is already like you just kind of you have to fawn in interest in that person's <laughs> yeah. line to you, you know? and right. you Just kidding. And in real in real life, you're really rolling your eyes, right? Like that would mean like and they tears are, in his eyes, I guess. They, they generally speaking, nine out of every ten have laughed at the question and then will say the line, right? Yeah. That they always get, you know. He's
2: a Cinderella boy tears in his eyes? I guess. Yeah. It looks like it's a miracle. Yeah. I always,
0: I always love how people think that, that that's like original.
2: No, it's like the dumbest thing to do of all time. <laughs> I think I told you a story one time. I I, I I was at a party that I shouldn't have been at. I mean, I just did not belong there. I was oh, was very because young. Because you're
0: just, you're not famous enough?
2: No, I was just very young. Oh. And I went to this party and um, it was a, you know, kind of a who's who. How, how, how old were you? I was probably about 25, 26 years old. Right. You want me to tell you the story? This is a so crazy. Khalees was
0: only fifteen at that time, so she was probably not at the party.
2: Right. No, yeah. it wasn't her. Yeah. Uh swear to God, I swear to God this is a true story. Okay. Um, a friend of mine went to college with this girl and her father was the owner of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So one night he said, We're going to go to her house and then she's going to take us to Mir Lago. Mm-hmm. And I go, What's Mirilago? Now, of course, everybody, everybody knows, knows what yeah. it is. Back then, I didn't know what it was. This is 20-plus years ago. Mm-hmm. So we go to this girl's house, meet her father, Malcolm Glazer. At the time, he had one of those Abraham Lincoln beards, you know what I mean, with the yeah, beard and no, the yeah, mustache? Yeah
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So we
2: go to their house. Of course, it's obviously crazy. I'm like a kid who came from a very humble background. Now I'm in these people's house. They're ultra-wealthy, yeah. and she's taking us to Miralago. We go to this party at Mira Is it mar lago I don't know how to pronounce yeah. it. Yeah. We go there. Whose place is it? It's Trump's. Right. But this is 20-plus years ago. Right. So I meet Trump there that night. This is when this is long before he's a TV star. He's just kind of like a famous rich guy, right?
0: Or was in Atlanta, Georgia, like what he was mean? recently.
2: Oh no, no, this is way before, right? The, clearly, this, yes, this is way before the mugshot yesterday. Yes, and uh, and so I there's Wayne Newton. So I decide <laughs> Wayne I'm, Newton. Yeah, so I decide I decide I'm going to walk uh, up to Wayne Newton. Oh, Larry, why? just why? <laughs> yeah. There's no reason why. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Right. Yeah. So I I walk up to Wayne. I go Wayne. How are you, man? Nice to see you again, Scott Kaplan. How are you? He goes, hey, Scott. How are you? Like, you know, they like, totally trying to be like, do I know this guy? Yeah, but you, know you're guy? good at that, right? Right. I said to him, I go, Wayne, don't you remember we met in Vegas? What a dumb <laughs> thing to say to Wayne Newton, right? Who's we met, met in <laughs> Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Like he has not met everybody in Vegas, right? Yeah, don't yeah. you know? Total dumbass. Yeah. But that's just it. If I saw Bill Murray, I'd be like, hey, tears in his eyes. I guess you know he's the Cinderella boy, manganese. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know that pool pond.
0: You know, Wayne Newton, eighty-one, by the way. Hey, we met in Vegas.
1: I want to see Wayne Newton. Like, he still does concerts. Is he concerts. still performing? Yes. Yes, oh, he right. still is. And I want to okay. see him. I got, I got to that. see him because I feel like he doesn't, you know, he's probably not going to be singing too much longer. Well, I mean,
2: it sounded like you were about to say he wasn't going to be alive that much. Longer.
1: No, no, I, I just I just singing, performing. 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 Yeah, oh, right. All right. Yeah.
2: That's
0: kind of what it sounded like. Um, well, Mookie Betts will be performing tonight in Boston for the not, first time. Not will be. He is performing. It's 3-3 right, right sorry, now. is performing. Yes. Yeah. You're right. um, I think that. You know, it's kind of, I guess I understand it, right? He was kind of, like, worried about what the reaction would be there. I don't know why. But, yeah, I think, if anything, the Boston fans I know are still furious at the organization, not furious at him at all. But they also, one thing about Boston sports
2: fans, and I think they're the most obnoxious sports fans in the country, but on the other hand, they're also some of the most passionate sports fans in the country. Mm -hmm. The thing is, is this, Mookie's going back, all he really had to do was ask Dave Roberts. Now, it was a different circumstance when Dave left, you know what I mean? Right, he helped but, win them a World Series. Right, but Dave was yeah. Dave is one play, one stolen base. Right. Dave is an all-time Boston sports legend. Right. I mean, they broke the curse. And when he goes back there, people love him. And I think all these years later, Mookie Betts goes back, and if you saw any of the pregame ceremony earlier, they gave him an amazing ovation.
1: Even you when know, he went up to bat and yeah. he did like the, the, the tip of the cap thing yeah. and everyone went crazy for him.
2: And, and he, you know, he came up. It was a three nothing game. Boston was leading three nothing. Yeah. Mookie got on. You know, he does the dance to the clubhouse. Then Freddie came up. Freddie moved him from first to third. Then the run started co- coming in. And before you knew it, it was a three three game. And it's not like Mookie's out there going, Hey, maybe I shouldn't do the dance because I'm back in Boston. And he did it. And people love him. You know, they appreciate the fact that, you know, he was a great player. And a champion while there. And by the way, he and Freddie just had like a whole screw-up in in between first and second base with a pop-up that dropped right in front of both of them. I don't know if you guys are watching the game like I am. Not
0: right now, no.
2: Yeah. So 3-3. I think it's uh, bottom of the sixth right now. Mm. I'm watching on my computer. It's a little smaller.
1: So Balake tweeted out the video of Mm -hmm. Mookie getting the standing ovation. Mm -hmm. That is some fantastic camera quality and angles, like the whole thing. It's amazing. It's a great video.
2: It's cool. Yeah. I'm with you, though, George. I mean I, I, know, I know why he was feeling that way. You know, like, what will the reaction be? You know, are people pissed at me? Like you said, you know, I think fans are probably more upset at the organization for not keeping him. Um, but all in all, you know, to go back to Boston where, you know, you had so much success, come back with the Dodgers, get an ovation like that,
0: just kind of feels great that the hometown fans,
2: your original team... Yeah.
0: That's great. Love. I'm yeah, glad they cool. showed him love. Yeah, I, I, that's why I said. Like, I didn't know what he was all that worried about. But I, I guess, you know, when you haven't been, you haven't been, so. Well, because you also never know with the Boston fans. Right. But I'm telling you, every Red Sox fan I know is still mad at the organization about it. Yeah, but just all in
2: all, you're like Mookie Betts. You're like, I don't know about these people. I'm not sure. Like, mm-hmm. they may love me, and if they give me the love, oh, my God, that's going to feel great. But, oh, man, if they boo me or they're mad at me. But they're yelling things at me. And Boston's kind of a little bit of a weird town anyway. Yeah. So you just never know. I'm glad to see they all went well.
0: Me too, Cappy. All right, coming up next, we got some football to talk about. Football. Yeah. Bubba. Your boy Justin Herbert's in the news. Oh, really? hmm Your boy, not my boy.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, I can appreciate what a good quarterback he is, but he ain't my guy. We'll talk about him in just a moment.